carrying around unforgiveness against people. Some of us, we can't even fathom forgiving ourselves for the mistakes that we've made. Talk about real talk, my friends. What I love about Jesus is that Jesus knows real life for real people, like people like you and me, but yet he challenges us to live out unlimited forgiveness. And he doesn't just say, I want you to live this way. He's like, I'm going to show you how. Forgiveness. From the time you were young, you had to learn how to let things go and forgive. But it can be so hard to do sometimes. How do you forgive others when you've been terribly wronged? And how can you forgive yourself for hurting the people around you? In today's teaching, Pastor Daniel urges you to look to Jesus for the example of how to forgive. He was betrayed and hurt and still gave people unlimited forgiveness. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Matthew chapter 18 as he begins his message, Unlimited Forgiveness. You know, they say that imitation is the highest form of flattery. That's always the most terrifying when you're a parent and your kids imitate your worst moments. This happens with us and our little Annabelle. She's too, she's so cute, but I always tell you how naughty she is. So I'll give you a good story about how she imitated me. So you know that everything's not okay when you have a two-year-old when it's totally quiet in the house, right? Like when it's super silent, it's when you know there's some mischief afoot. And so sure enough, me and Lynn, we were sitting at the kitchen table. We were drinking some coffee. This must have been a couple months back. And all of a sudden, Lynn got that terrified look in her eyes. And I think at that moment, I saw her eyes, and I realized, oh, no, Annabelle's into something because it was so quiet, you know what I mean? And so I just saw Lynn's eyes, and I knew that there was a problem. I'm out of my seat, and I'm like, Annabelle, and I'm walking up the stairs, and Annabelle comes peeling out of Maranatha's room, just peeling out. And she goes like this, no, 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 no. And I started laughing because you know where she learned that from, right? Like next to I love you, the three no's are the things that she hears the most in life right now. And it was just funny because she was having some fun in Maranatha's room with nail polish. Oh, yeah. You got to pray for me. You know what I mean? But sure enough, just her coming out like, no, 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 no. And I started laughing because I knew where she got that from. And children imitate their parents. Of course, we know that we should be imitating God, right? It says that in the book of Ephesians chapter 5. But if imitation is the highest form of flattery, what I want to talk with you about today is something that I realize deep down in our heart of hearts, we know that we should imitate Jesus in this. But what I want to share with you today is so personal and it's so raw for each one of us that I think maybe as followers of Jesus, this area might be the hardest area for us to imitate Jesus in. And that is the area of forgiveness, the idea of forgiveness. I joked at one of the services that that's the F word in church. 
the F word in church is forgiveness. Now, I know when I say the F word, everyone thinks, oh, that's, isn't that supposed to be an expletive? You think of a word that's an expletive. It's a word that, when you think about it, it's got all sorts of messy connotations, almost dirty connotations. And I think in a lot of ways, forgiveness is that word in church because the areas of life that need forgiveness are the areas that we got hurt the most. They're the areas that are the most raw. You know, and as I was thinking about forgiveness, I was thinking about, this actually happened 10 years ago today, Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. There was a married man who was struggling. He went into an all-girls Amish school and he killed five girls and then he shot himself. It was a horrendous tragedy. All gun violence is tragic, but this one had a, a, a real raw feeling to it. But what's amazing is, is that in such a tragedy, the response of the Amish community was actually what got the most press. Because within hours of this horrible situation, family members of children who were killed were at the home of the wife of the man who did this. And they were praying with her and for her. I mean, these are families who experienced the most horrendous tragedy. I mean, they sent their kids to school and their kids didn't come home that day. But right away when this happened, and I was researching this online a little bit to get kind of the gist of it. I read this in one of the articles. On the day of the shooting, a grandfather of one of the murdered Amish girls was heard warning some young relatives not to hate the killer, saying, we must not think evil of this man. Another Amish father noted he had a mother and a wife and a soul, and now he is standing before a just God. The widow of the man who perpetrated this tragedy wrote an open letter to, the, to her Amish neighbors, and she wrote, your love for our family has helped to provide the healing we so desperately need. Gifts you've given have touched our hearts in a way no words can describe. Your compassion has reached beyond our family, beyond our community, and is changing our world. And for this, we sincerely thank you. Praise God. But try and imagine and actually, don't try and imagine. We can't even imagine losing a child in such horrible circumstances. And it's almost scandalous, the response of the Amish community to the family who perpetrated such a tragedy. Like, I remember when this all happened, I remember on the news, there was debates about, did the Amish community handle this the right way? Is it okay not only to forgive in words, but to find yourself at the home of a family member who did this. I read another story about a father of a child who was deceased who held the father of the man who did this for hours as he wept. Such radical forgiveness is scandalous, isn't it? When you see a response to tragedy that is so strong, it challenges us to our cores, doesn't it? 
Because I realize that here in the Crossroads family, and not only those gathered here in our campus, but our Facebook Live family and our internet campus, people listening to this message on the radio and on the television, when push comes to shove, forgiveness is a challenge, isn't it? Probably many of us were carrying around unforgiveness against people. Some of us, we can't even fathom forgiving ourselves for the mistakes that we've made. Talk about real talk, my friends. What I love about Jesus is that Jesus knows real life for real people, like people like you and me, but yet he challenges us to live out unlimited forgiveness. And he doesn't just say, I want you to live this way. He's like, I'm going to show you how. I want to break this open together. Open up in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 18. We're going to look at verses 21 to 35. Matthew 18, 21 to 35, as we continue this Real Talk series. If you're new to the Bible, these are the words of Jesus that we have. And I believe that God wants to do a healing work in all of our lives today. So Matthew chapter 18, again, if you're on Facebook Live or Internet Campus, open up another browser window, type in Matthew 18, 21 to 35. We'll pick up in verse 21, and look at what happens here. It says... Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. See, you got to love Peter, right? Because according to Jewish tradition, to the writings of the rabbis, the people who explain these things in the community that Jesus was raised in, if a brother committed the same sin against somebody three times, up to three times you forgive him, and on the fourth time, you don't forgive him. So it's like if the same thing happens, up to three times you forgive him, on the fourth time, there's no forgiveness for you. So you got to love Peter because Peter just rolls up to Jesus and he's just like, so hey, Lord, if my brother, and you can imagine Andrew, Peter's brother, being like, I'm going to poke Peter in the eye. You know what I mean? When he's done with Jesus, I'm going to roughhouse that, bro. You know? If my brother sins against me, how many times should I forgive him? Seven times? And you got to imagine Peter's thinking, I'm so big hearted. I'm such a forget. I mean, the rabbis say, three. I'm going to double that plus one. And you can imagine Peter just really feeling like he's got it going on. Should I forgive him up to seven times? And then Jesus, as he always does, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. What does this teach us? Is that we need to be extravagant with forgiveness. We need to be extravagant with forgiveness. See, Peter thinks he's being big hearted, but he doesn't even know the half of it. Peter doesn't even realize that up to seven, that's nothing. And that's why I love Jesus. I did not say to you, and I love that about Jesus, because Jesus is saying, look, you may have listened to some rabbis or some other people, but let's check out what I'm doing. I didn't say that to you, but this is what I say. 70 times seven. Now, Jesus isn't speaking the language of calculation like it's now 490 times but he's speaking the language of hyperbole or exaggeration. He's speaking the language of extravagance. He's saying, no, no, no. 
Keep on forgiving. Now, it's interesting that in Genesis chapter four, verse 24, the verse says, if Cain shall be avenged sevenfold, then Lamech 77-fold. And really what Jesus is doing here is he's alluding to this verse. See, Lamech's unlimited vindictiveness is now being contrasted to Jesus' encouragement of unlimited forgiveness. And my friends, I believe that this is the difference between those who are in Christ and those who are outside of Christ. I think that if you and I call ourselves followers of Jesus, then we have to realize that Jesus is brokering in unlimited forgiveness. And he's gonna tell a story, a parable, in order to express this point. And I love that about Jesus because what he does is he takes these concepts and then he breaks them down into understandable realities. That word parable, it's literally in the Greek, it's two words slammed together, the word para and the word balo. And so the word balo literally means to throw, like you throw a ball. And para means alongside. So really what Jesus is doing is he's taking this truth about unlimited forgiveness and he's throwing it alongside a story that they can understand. And I love that about Jesus because Jesus is so street level. He realized that if we are just left with this, be extravagant in forgiveness. Don't just forgive three times or seven times, but forgive 70 times, seven times that we might be like, well, okay, so how does that work here? How does that work here? But he gives this beautiful parable, which is gonna speak right into it. Now, I realize that right now in the message, we're at that tension point, aren't we? Because on the areas of forgiveness, the things that you and I hold, those raw areas of our hearts and lives where there is unforgiveness, that when you hear Jesus say, forgive them in an unlimited capacity, everyone's just kind of like, are you serious? And if you're one of those people in that place, this is what I want to say to you. That feeling isn't wrong. In this world, on this side of eternity, that tension is the right tension. But I think that as we see this story that Jesus is gonna share, Jesus is gonna show us that although that feeling is founded and even maybe justifiable, there's another reality that if we get our eyes on it, changes the way this playing field is set. And I think that's what's important. I think that's why Jesus is so important. So let's look at this parable. Picking up in verse 23, look at what it says. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and his children, all that he had, and that payment be made. Verse 26, the servant therefore fell down before him saying, master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Then the master of the servant was moved with compassion, released him and forgave him the debt. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat saying, pay me what you owe. And so his fellow servant fell down at his feet and he begged him saying, have patience with me and I will pay you all. But he would not. 
but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when the fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master what had been done. And his master, after he had called him, said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. And so my heavenly father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother's trespasses. It's a provocative story, isn't it? But you see how Jesus takes this truth of unlimited forgiveness and he brings it down to the level that they can understand. Now, breaking this story open, it begins with a, therefore the kingdom of heaven is like. So Jesus is saying, look, we need to forgive in an unlimited capacity. This is what my kingdom is like. Now, the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is wherever God reigns, Right? Now, we know Jesus is the king of kings and the Lord of lords, and ultimately, the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our lords. But where God's kingdom happens is in the church. And I mean church with a big C, not church the building, but I mean church the called out assembly of people. And we realize that you can come to church and not be a part of the church. You can attend church and not truly be a part of God's kingdom. It happens all the time. And what happens is that if we're not careful, we always have to ask ourselves, if I go to church, am I truly the church? That's an important question. If I go to church, am I truly the church? There's a joke that goes around that going to church makes you as much of a Christian as being in a garage makes you a car. See, anybody can go to church. There's a difference if you are the church. And that's one of those things where when a pastor says that, you want to stop back and say, Lord, am I part of the church? That called out assembly. See, because where the church is, the called out assembly, that is where God reigns in the hearts of people. Are we allowing God to reign in our hearts? And Jesus says, look, this is what where God reigns is like. He says, it's like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. So the king is doing an accounting of all these people and he wants to settle accounts. He wants to clear up his balance sheet. He wants to be able to make sure that he can close out this account and move on to the next thing. And he gets one of these servants who it says owes him 10,000 talents. Now, What's amazing is it's impossible to tell you exactly how much money 10,000 talents would be. But what you need to know is that a talent was the largest unit of money in that culture and 10,000 was the largest round number that they would use for money. So the equivalent would be many millions of dollars, even almost billions of dollars. To put the enormity of the debt that this servant has to the king when David, who was the king of Israel, when he wanted to build the temple, he donated 3,000 talents of gold and 7,000 talents of silver. 
So this donation that David gave would have been considered enormous. And now you have the servant who owes this king 10,000 talents. But notice in verse 25, it says, but as he was unable to pay his master, commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and that the payment be made. See, the king was wanting to settle accounts. So he's saying, look, your debt is so big, then you're gonna have to work it off. Now, it was impossible for a man, his wife, and his kids to ever pay back such a sum. But the king in his mind, and Jesus isn't condoning the king's behavior. He's just saying, this is what would have happened, right? And what's going on here is the king is seeking to get back at least some piece of the debt that is owed. But notice in verse 26, the servant therefore fell down before him saying, master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. And the master of the servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt. What does this teach us? This teaches us that God compassionately forgives. God compassionately forgives. See, if you put this parable and you bring it down to your own life, what it means is that God is the king and each one of us are his servant. And even if we don't realize that we're his servant, we are because in him we live and we move and we have our being. Everything that we have is the Lord's. And he entrusts it to us and he asks us to give an account for what we do with our lives. And what happens is, is every single day of our lives, we build up the debt of sin. We live in rebellion against God. And every single one, even on our best day, there are areas of rebellion that show up in our lives. Things that we know we ought to do and we choose not to do. Things that we don't even realize we shouldn't do and we do it anyway. You know, you have all these things and every single day we're building up this debt. And at some point we become aware of the debt. Most of the time we become aware of it because God starts to work in our lives. See, we live in a culture that does not understand the holiness of God. And because our culture doesn't understand who God is, it's impossible for them to live in the light of God because they don't know who he is. But when God starts to intervene in someone's life, all of a sudden you start realizing, oh man, I didn't realize that that was wrong. I didn't realize that was wrong. I didn't realize that was wrong. And you start feeling the weightiness of the debt that you owe. Has that been your experience? That was my experience. I remember what it was like when God was beginning to work in my life, that things that I had always done, I'd been doing for years, all of a sudden I was starting to have this existential angst about it. Why all of a sudden does this thing feel really wrong? But I've been doing this forever. I didn't understand it. It was because God, the holy God, the true God, he was revealing himself to me. And I started to see myself in the light of his holiness and I started to feel the pressure. Just like the servant. He had been racking up that debt for some time. But when the king comes to settle on accounts, now all of a sudden, it's bad. And there's enormous debt's been built up. Jesus is You can't talk about how to forgive others without first coming to terms with your great need for forgiveness. Today, Pastor Daniel reminded you that you're constantly racking up a debt to the Lord because of the wrong choices you make. And when God starts to intervene in your life, you begin to see and feel the weight of your failures. 
Pastor Daniel shared that like the ruler in the parable, God compassionately forgives your impossible debt. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Daniel, and I want to be honest with you for a moment. Life is messy, and the hard reality is, if it isn't messy for you now, it will be, and it probably has been in the past. Did you know that you can still thrive in tough times? It's true, you can, but only through the power of Jesus. That's the purpose behind my book, Honestly. I want you to know how to keep living your best life in Jesus, no matter the circumstances of your life. You can find out more about it and get your own copy at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Make sure to tune in again as Pastor Daniel will share more about God's compassionate forgiveness. You'll see that when you live in the reality of how much you've been forgiven, it spurs you on to forgive others. Because of the work that Jesus did on the cross, your debt is paid in full. You can give grace to the people in your life because you're a recipient of the overwhelming grace of God. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series called Real Talk. Please glance at the clock right now and make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio.